We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 299 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton. He's Emil Evanesian. We do. I know you're dealing with Dan and Emil in the post-El Clasico hangover, but I do have a surprise, and I think for longtime listeners, you know exactly what that surprise is at the end of this <laughs> show. And even if you read the show notes, then you know what the surprise is. But either way, you will hear from him or her later on in the show. But for now, <laughs> Emil and I are going to do our best to break down what I think, Emil, is a very difficult El Clasico to break down because you and I were just talking yeah. before we turned on things. Mm-hmm. And as much as I want to like see this as one individual result, and it's, it's actually against my nature, the Kool-Aid, where you feel like it's just one match. I say it out loud and go, okay, mm-hmm. the three points against Valencia, they matter just as much as zero points against Real Madrid. Yes. Can, you know, it's <laughs> on to the next one. Uh, Raya Vallecano, Alaves, those games actually are more important about Barca moving up the table than even Real Madrid, because top yeah. four is the objective, not winning La Liga this season, right? The objective is just... To, to, to get top four. And so exactly. Valencia, Alaves, and Rayo matter so much more to that. But as much as I say that, Emil, I immediately, you know, <laughs> the hypocrisy comes in and I go, wait a second. I lost El Clas- in El Clasico to Real Madrid 2-1. That is an entire referendum of FC Barcelona from 1899 until now. And then we need to just understand it's a referendum. And I, I just, the, the hypocrisy in my heart does not match what my brain feels. <clears throat> I think what really stinks about it is you know, I was reading the it's the the first four classical losing streak for Barca in I believe it's 56 years. And Kuman is the first coach in what is it, 85, 86 years to Patrick O'Connell lose three in a row. Yeah. And Prior so, to the Civil War, yes. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I, I think part of the problem is that it it's starting to feel like a while since we experienced a classical win and a even just like a really kind of uplifting and joyful classical win, those are kind of fading into the rear view a little bit. And so, yeah, because I agree with you in a vacuum, this, this game, and we've talked about it before here. We've talked about it offline. The objective this year, as much as idealistically, you might want it to be competing for the league or winning the league. I don't think it is that this year, this year it's accumulate as many points as you can beat the opponents that you can beat and and even the occasions where, you know, you take a point, you take a point, just accumulate as many points as you can, get into the top four, lick your wounds and come back to come back to battle next year. So in that sense, in a, in a vacuum in my rational brain, this 
this doesn't matter anymore, like you said, than than Rayo or Valencia or Elche or name name the teams. But at the same time, you you want to win. You want to, and I think the thing is too, you want to take your chances. It's if you play a great game against Madrid and you you strike a couple of times, but whatever happens, whether it's Benzema or Vinicius or you know Alaba or whomever, but if they're talent or their whatever their their spark and their brilliance kind of overwhelms you on a day i feel like you can deal with that more than yeah then we we had chances and we whiffed on chances or you know the the what if or the what could have been hurts a little bit more than we gave them our best punch and on the day they were just better than us yeah i'm caught between two minds about that like trying to figure that in my brain where i remember back to last year was it Cadiz, I think it was, where Langley makes the error. It's all yeah. on Langley. And Barcelona, you know, you could say that Barca could have also created more chances and finished more chances. And it doesn't come down to one mistake or one moment in the game. But in that right. case, it did. And Barca dropped points mm-hmm. because of one individual mistake by Langley. And browsing over this game, we're, we'll you t- talk about the huge miss by Dest, of course, in the first half. That, you know, I, I, I mm-hmm. want to actually have a little segment on that in, in total because it is such the most important moment of the game. Yeah. But th- there was the Dest miss. But overall, even his performance, he was fine. I mean, I, I go mm-hmm. up and down the, 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 the squad for both squads. And it was like, mm-hmm. it, it, I think it, it's that sinking feeling that it wasn't an individual mistake that you could just like put in the past. It was that individuals were fine, but Barca as a team were the problem. Mm-hmm. And I think the feeling I had before the game that st- still sticks with me after the game is that I hope that Barca wouldn't get let in an early goal because I felt like an early goal, especially from the likes of Benzema, it was mm-hmm. going to be a death sentence. That was it for Barca. And they hung on. Yeah, but I thought they there's a snowball goal. effect to those. Yeah, exactly. And I thought the starting lineup was good. I thought the, the mm-hmm. not only the choices, but even the formation, I thought they came out yep. with the right fight, the desire. They can't know it, 35,000 people. So I mean, we were ready to go. It was El Clasico. It kind of felt like El Clasico in it. But in me, I said, Barca are not as good as, as Real Madrid. And there's a sense among Kool-Aid that Barca have to be the better team to win a matchup like this. And not mm-hmm. only do they have to be the better team to win, but they have to be much better than Real Madrid to get any kind of result. And Barca just don't play, even at home, they don't play as a scrappy underdogs. They don't play as this mm-hmm. unified, united front. And I think... Coming out of the, the match, that's unfortunate because that's how I feel. I mean, it was just confirmation bias that that feeling I had is what makes it worse is that I can live with mistakes from young players from Dest and Eric Garcia, who were both, again, we'll talk about it, hot and cold and individual players yeah. that are learning onto figuring out how to get back to health and, and make himself useful again. Uh, Gabi, a huge experience for him and his first El Clasico. And I can live with mistakes from young players, but the team as a whole, veterans and young players alike just feels off it feels disjointed it feels like they can't be underdogs and they are just the second best team in el clasico even though they were the better team like the result at the end doesn't match the, even the match we saw because it's always real madrid on the counter-attack well real madrid yeah. willing to be the worst team and they still got the three points and i it's like that's what i that kills me because like that first goal goes in and i go man that was we're, we're gonna watch Vinny jr on the ground for the next 65 minutes and then he's going to sub out and somebody else is going to be on the ground. And it was, it was Courtois. I didn't have that on the Real Madrid bingo. <laughs> yeah, he uh, wasn't on the bingo card, yeah. Injury, but <laughs> we, we, we carry on with that. I don't know. No, I mean, that's exactly right. I mean, I think the for all the for all the star, star-centric kind of Madrid, the, the Florentino Perez thing, Madrid scrap better than Barca do. And Madrid are more willing. It's not that they want to, but they seem either more willing or more capable of playing ugly than than Barca are. 
And I mean, I think, you know, you, t- you touch on the, the dust, the dust miss and, you know, subsequently, even after the, the goal, uh, the, the PK header that, I mean, it wasn't on target, like, it's not like it was just wide, but it was so gutting to see it kind of, you think it's, you think it's going in and then it just kind of flies by. Yeah. And when, when Barca didn't have an immediate answer or just even kind of an, an immediate onslaught of attack where you feel like you're pinning the opponent back and retaliating, it, it increasingly became, and, you know, particularly after halftime, it was clear that Madrid were more than happy to relinquish possession and just absorb whatever pressure Barca, whatever pressure Barca could, could conjure. And yeah, and just, try to try to clip a second one. And even if they didn't, they, they still had the lead. So it was, if we can keep you out of our goal, then we've, we've done our job and they didn't really care how they got there. They weren't trying to, to outplay Barca. They, they got their goal. I mean, it was, it was kind of the classic. It it struck me as a little bit of a, uh, the way Jose Mourinho would talk about away games in the champions league in, in knockout ties in the champions league is you get your goal or you try to get a goal and then you just, just hunker down and we're, we're not trying to be heroes here. We're not trying to, we're not trying to run up the score. We're here for a result. We're here to do a professional job. Well, yeah. And on the first goal, I mean, there's blame to be, to be thrown all around on everybody where Memphis Mm. losing the ball in the position he did. You can't take that touch on the outside of your boot because there could be a defender on rushing. And then Mm. it's Alaba who takes possession and then Memphis doesn't track him. He doesn't hand him off. Mm -hmm. You cannot leave your man if you're not going to hand him off. And then Mingetha, because he missed the tackle on Vinny Jr., their space yep. is left in way behind. And then Garcia, yep. as he's entering his zone, if you will, doesn't track yep. Alaba either. And so that first goal winds up being a huge team mistake. And I'm not sure what Tercein could have done. It does go across his goal as well, but it was perfectly yeah. placed. A well done shot by Alaba. Um, yeah, it's indicative. That goal is indicative of Real Madrid. And I think, not to say to credit to Real Madrid, but... Barcelona in this match in the midfield between De Jong, who didn't have a particularly good game, and then Busquets and Gabi, Barcelona's midfield were actually, to me, quicker or had a little more liveliness than the Madrid midfield, where Cruz and Modric were almost nowhere to be found. Modric a little bit in that second half, but I mean, Cruz was... I, I mean, he was one of the worst players on the field to me, or at least non-existent, you know, not doing much of anything. And Yeah, Gabi, he was just more anonymous, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and Gabi was largely, you know, defending him well and keeping him in check. Mm-hmm. And Samuel Casemiro, he wasn't really affecting the game much yeah. other than, you know, snuffing out a, a little bit of danger. But really, that was all on Alaba. I mean, Alaba had a really good game. Uh, but that said, because of how slow their midfield is, right, that's one of the excuses for Barca. Like, PK slow, Busquets is slow, Barca slow up the middle. And Barca also, you know, we have this idea that they don't have much speed because they don't. Dembele is, is quite yeah. quick, but Gabi is not necessarily a fast player. Or no. And there's a difference between fast and athleticism, right? Like athleticism yeah. is, or the strength or whatever adage you want to use about. And there's you know, like dexterity and, and agility yeah. and things like, like what, that. Yeah. What, whatever we call Bayern Munich, right? Because Bayern Munich is like, oh, yeah. they're more, they're better athletes. Therefore, that's where football yeah. is. And I'm not going to get into the, those tropes. But what Madrid is, is they're kind of slow in the same way that Barca is mm. kind of slow. But the speed that they do have, where Barcelona don't really have a Vinny Jr. Mm. I mean, Ansu is getting back to fitness, but even he is like, you know, he's not necessarily a Ferrari. He's just a very, very fast car, right? Like he's yeah, a he's, car he's not a burner. Yeah, no, exactly. He, but he, he is quick. He's fast. Yes. And he's strong. Yeah. He's all those things. He's a great all around yeah. athlete. But Vinny Jr. is just fast. I mean, that's what that kid does. I mean, that's what he yes. is. And they know how to use his speed. So Benzema doesn't yep. even have to be fast. He just kind of, Benzema is actually uh, statistically both on, on who scored. And then the other one I went to, whatever, what I'm forgetting the website. He actually was the worst 
uh, grade wise. He got like a mm-hmm. 6.18, like, which is worse than everybody on the field. And so Benzema, mm-hmm. I know the eye test tells you that he was effective, right? right. And yeah. like the advanced <laughs> metrics say he wasn't. And that's actually the other thing, looking at the advanced metrics and all that stuff, where it's just like the players that I didn't think were great, like Alba to me, I, I was like, where was he? I mean, I thought that Balde might've yeah. done a similar job with, he just felt anonymous to me. He felt also mm-hmm. like he was still dealing with that ankle injury. It looked like he wasn't mm-hmm. completely fit. And that was why, and the reason I asked that is because of the mini junior thing. While Alba, yeah, he had to fend a little bit. I mean, not really. I mean, but Barca weren't, whatever speed they had with Dest and Alba and, and Ansu, there's no real plan that you can see to let those guys go out and be runners. Even De Jong, right. who's not really fast, but he can dribble, mm-hmm. there really wasn't even those spaces for him to run into. And you know that Real Madrid had prepared for that. So yeah. I guess the point is that first goal was a reminder that Real Madrid, yeah, they're willing to counterattack. They're willing to muddy the game up. And they're not better athletes. They're not faster. They just know how mm-hmm. to use the weapons and the tools that they have. And that, Emil, is a final reminder that Real Madrid, when they cut ties with Cristiano Ronaldo now almost two years ago, mm-hmm. and now they cut ties with Sergio Ramos in the offseason, their rebuilding process has kind of been on the fly, but it also is already at a different stage than Barca's is. And they are farther along of this yes. championship rebuild than Barca is. And that kind of goal reminds me of that fact that they better know how to use the weapons they have, even though Barca yeah. was a better team. But Barca aren't a better team because they're a worse team, right? But no, they, they have they, a squad that is more talented, in my opinion. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. 
And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. In a sense, kind of, Barca have the same remnants of the, the spine of the last the last decade, kind of in a similar way to, to what Madrid do, in the sense that, you know, Alba's still there, Pique is still there, Busquets is still there. And similarly, you know, Tony Kroos is still there and Modric and Benzema. I mean, I think one of the things is, at, at this stage in the game, Benzema is the best individual player of those six, of the kind of those legacy, those legacy superstars. Sure. I think with Madrid, I think it, they... I think the loss of Ronaldo sort of wasn't wasn't seismic in the same way that the that the Messi loss was, and even you know I mean the you know Barca over the last four years have lost Messi, Suarez, and Neymar, and and Griezmann, and Griezmann. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, have to, I mean, we have to throw him in. He was a second no, it's true. I mean, he's, yeah, have to. Yeah, I mean, he scored two Champions League goals this you know this past week, and so I think there's but with Madrid there was they lost Cristiano, but they kept Benzema, who is still you know a world-class player but along the way they they brought in the the likes of whether it was venetius and they made adjustments along the margins that have taken i think in a better way than than barca's have and so i think they're they started their rebuild potentially even earlier than barca did and it you know even the the, the guys that didn't work were kind of moved out quickly and there don't seem to be a lot of lingering issues but they seem to have figured out who is going to be a part of this squad and there's there doesn't seem to be a lot of question marks there's no will he won't he types of players and so they have the talents that they want and they have them playing the way that they that they intend to to play yeah and they kept showing the bench for barcelona with araujo or injured players rather with araujo pedri and dembele and yeah. I was try, you know, I'm almost debating myself here where it kind of feels like an excuse to be like, oh, well, if those players played because in theory, mm. this is in theory, if Barca had this a system like or a game yeah. plan every time players are supposed to be plug and play. But I think if we're going off that idealistic notion that Barca have this like devout system that it shouldn't mm. matter if Pedri's out or Dembele's out, then you're fine. And you, you know what I mean? You just keep doing you're the right. Same yeah. Doing. Next man up kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. But the problem is that Barca doesn't have that. They don't have that infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And so without Pedri to do the job he does, without Araujo to do mm-hmm. the job he does. I mean, and the thing about Dest and the Mist, to go back to it, it's not a defensive Dest that should have made it. Mm-hmm. But once more, that is a that is a 20-year-old right back, or you know, he mm-hmm. was a winger at youth division, sure. But like, it's a right back right. who's being put in a position to score that goal as a right winger. And mm-hmm. it's a reminder that if Dembele's contract situation, that winds up being with the renewals of Pedri and, and Ansu, you know, that's the next, they'll say next man up, but that's the next problem up, right? That's the next thing right. on the docket that Dembele either has to be sold in January 
or right. he's gone for a free and Barca cannot afford to lose Dembele on a free. So now a, a very difficult decision is going to need to be made when he hasn't played in months and months and months and also really hasn't played for five years, right? Like or, well, was, or four years yeah. Or four, yeah, at this point. So the death miss, like I, I'm not defending, I'm just saying that good on him to put himself in the positions to be in those spots. And I think Des right. is going to continue to grow and learn. And as I said, the same with Eric Garcia, Eric Garcia made two terrible mistakes. And the first one came by not tracking Alaba on the first goal. Mm-hmm. And the second one was that he got Lucas Vasquez go goal side on him. And yep. so those are mistakes that I hope that he individually learns from. I want to talk about the second goal though, too, because it seemed to be, I, I read uh, Sid Lowe's, I always try not to do this before the podcast, but I couldn't help myself. Mm-hmm. Sid Lowe, El Clasico, you got to do the reading. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I already read the yep. Guardian piece. And the thing that he kind of alluded to on the second goal was the image that's going to stick out from him. And that's PK with like thinking he got the penalty, which we can debate on whether the penalty or not. Danny Carvajal certainly fouled PK, but Kikino was the one who went for the ball and wasn't fouled by whatever white shirt was also in there. So that's why I didn't call a foul because the contact that occurred wasn't affect, was it didn't affect actual, like the placing of the ball, even though practically ran into PK. But the point is like that, because PK didn't get that call and PK was way upfield, then Barcelona was completely exposed at the they back. They were out of position, and yeah. And, and, and it was instant. So that was like the image that stuck out to him. But I don't actually put that even on, yeah, Eric could have tracked, you know, should have been goal side of him. And the positioning of PK was worrisome when he pushed himself forward. Barca should have covered for that. That goes and turns to the man on the sideline. And is it fair? I mean, I'm going to let you let me do this. Is it fair okay. to scapegoat? The dis- not Luke de Young, but the decision to put on Luke de Young here, because I mean, I've already said it like my issue with that was, you know, I, w- I was already people heard in the week. I was already mad about Coutinho. He didn't make sense mm-hmm. on the left wing. I got mad about Dino Kiev. I got mad at Valencia. I thought it was like bottling the two, the left wing too much, but I actually thought the halftime substitution of Magetha out and Coutinho in to change the four, two, three, one was a good idea where Modric, Cruz, yeah. and Casemiro were arguably Madrid's least impactful players, and they were mm-hmm. leaving space in the middle of the field. And Coutinho is okay. actually a number 10. That's where he's supposed to be at his best. So I actually thought it made a lot of sense. If Fati's going to play the nine, and he's occupying yeah. that space, and Memphis is comfortable on the left, then fine, put Coutinho underneath them. And I thought actually yeah. Coutinho had his best performance in a long time. But then it became Aguero. Here comes Aguero, which he mm-hmm. doesn't look not only entirely fit, but he looks kind of old. And then yeah. I'm going to scapegoat Luke de Young by being put on the field because once you push Aguero and Luke de Young and Memphis all up the field and PK comes up, yes, that leaves you exposed at the back. I would rather just move if you're going to put PK up there anyway, make PK the forward and then put Langley on the gosh. Star- like, you know okay. what I mean? Just put yeah. Langley on the field. Like, don't put Luke de Young on the field. It's not even about Luke de Young. It's like you have to understand the situation. It's not about feelings yeah. or anything. It's just keep your keep a center back back there and put PK up top because he's a better finisher than Luke de Young. Then just do it, you know? Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, and, and that makes sense. It, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I can say it any better. Yeah, if you are if you want to put PK up front. I, you don't have to I, I, I don't confirmation by it. I think so. Because you, you don't have a decidedly better option. I mean, it's like you said, it's it's De Young. It's Sergio Aguero. I was, my, the, the fan of me is delighted, the, delighted to see him score for Barca, but... But even Brothwaite, I felt like, where's Brothwaite? He's missing, right? Yeah. Like, what could he have added well, in the game? I mean, that's that's well, where we're at. Of the three of those guys, he's the most kind of dynamic player at this point. Yeah. You know, he has the most athleticism. Like when you say it, but <laughs> it is. No, I mean, it's not. It's a it's a low bar. But but yeah. the fact is, I mean, he is the most athletic and kind of fast and quick and twitchy uh, dynamic player of the three of those. And, yeah, I would much rather have him in there than, yeah, this – 
trio of forwards, and then you push PK up. I mean, it's it's almost equal. It's not exactly, but it's almost the equivalent of kind of pulling your goalie in in hockey, where mm-hmm. you're. Yeah, right, right. Put whatever right. forwards right. you have up front, and then you're like, okay, whatever. What else can we find to to throw at the attack? Also, yeah. at the expense of losing. coverage. Like, right. You when, either when lose. They're... You either lose in that moment. You're right. That's perfect with the hockey goal. Yeah. You either lose in that yeah. moment, or you've tied the game up, and things have gotten yeah. interesting. Because yeah, that goal from Aguero, it was just such a consolation goal where yes. was, they'd already won the El Clasico. Like, it was over. Like, all the players knew yeah. it. And then Death Yeah, because, I mean, it was, what, in the 97th minute? I mean, yeah, yeah it, you just, you barely have time to, to even yeah. take a kickoff and try anything. Yeah, they, yeah, they, they really didn't. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, so it laid on, like, I, I don't, I think Kuman did things that were right and did things that were wrong. And I think one of the questions that people are, are fairly asking <laughs> is, you know, as, as continues to be the question with every big game, that and when I say big game, I mean like a major team, a giant team. Mm-hmm. Every giant game that comes up with every big team that has any kind of international pedigree, that's any world-renowned fan. Where if you go to your local, you know, your your local match or like you know what I mean, a yeah. local like tournament in the area, somebody's going to be wearing a jersey with that kind of team. Like sure. any any branded uh, club like that. Every time Barca faces one of those teams, mm-hmm. Kumi just doesn't seem to be able to get this team over the edge. And the yeah. one, th- and I think the through line that keeps coming up. That is a question. It's not even about coming out or whatever. It's because Barca's issues are so structural that for, in, in the case of Kuman, I think it's that Kuman's clearly in this game, as I said, I thought in the first, to start the game with the lineup and everything, he had the right idea and the right game plan. Mm-hmm. And if Des puts that in, that's in, then we're talking about a different story. So I think Kuman actually got it right to start. And then the decision to put in continue and change the formation wasn't a bad idea. I think it was a, a good risk and a good chance. And it made sense. Barca was still the better team in the second half. And then, of course, that second goal goes in because of, I think, what was a very grave mistake from Kuman. Yeah. But Barca also weren't executing. So it's it's right. It's things can be. And people who've been listening to this for a long time know Total Soccer Show in the U.S. Daryl Grove passed away a year from today. It's one of the reasons mm-hmm. I still podcast. You know, it's you know he was he was an inspiration for me as a podcast. And he always said things can be two things. So it's yeah. it's is Kuman a manager that can take Barcelona to that next level? Does he have the right game plan? And two, if he even does have the right game plan are his players executing? So Emil, I mean, it's an impossible question to answer, but which one was it more of? Was it that Koeman did was outplanned again by Carlo Ancelotti, who won his first El Clasico? Or is it that the players just didn't really execute whatever game plan Koeman put forward? I mean, I think in general, um, I think Koeman's been out game planned in big games against, like you said, against the the big brand name teams. Yeah. And Granada. Koeman, I, want to throw, and, I want to throw that in there too. And, 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 and Granada. And the Giants of Andalusia in Granada. <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. Um, I mean, I think by and large, I, I think he's been out game planned in, I mean, we can say with, with a few exceptions, you know, with very few exceptions, the most vital games of his Barca tenure, I think Kuman has been out game planned. I don't think that was the case today. Not necessarily. I mean, like you said, he... He got the he got the starting lineup right. The first what I mean, I guess we can say I don't even know. I mean, I'm gonna say 15 minutes, and I don't know exactly kind of where that demarcation is, but for the for the first 15 minutes, they looked good. They didn't look, you know, they they looked solid and steady, and they looked like the they looked like they knew the plan that they were trying to execute. They seemed fairly authoritative in trying to execute that plan, you know. And on the one hand, the the miss the miss by Dest. Like you said, it's it's a right back who's rightfully, you know, well done to him has put himself in a position to to do that. And, you know, he's not an attacker by by trade and all of that. 
like that, that miss was kind of crippling because if that goes in, like yeah. if he, if he puts that in the back of the net, look, there's every possibility that Madrid just come back and, and beg Barca back. And, I, I, I mean, you know? I think that's almost why, why I jump into it. It's like, why is it like, why is a miss like that in the, what was it? The 33rd minute? Why is that the backbreaker? Why did Barcelona lose a match when it was zero, zero at that moment? Well, cause I, cause I think it's we kind of that. like it, it stinks, but I think it's kind of where where this team is right now. Where you know, may, maybe I'm forgetting one, but I can't remember the last kind of shockwave kind of joy runs through. You know, kind of the the, the explosive kind of jubilant goal. And not only that, it seems like so often when when the other side score first, yeah, there is not only a, a sense of not rallying the troops there does seem to be a sense of uh oh here we go again yeah you know with the team well so like, i think there's i think the last two goals i could think of well obviously the ansu one against levante but that was yeah. about ansu more than it was about fc barcelona and the yeah. result and what that meant yeah because it was putting the finishing touch on a on a three nil win right and then the yeah. uh, one before that it was the granada comeback which is that mean yeah. which is a team that dug themselves a hole even right. if they had messi they dug themselves a yeah. hole and that jubilance was because they dug themselves out of that hole but right. you're yeah. right. Other than those two instances over the last two years, even under Kuma's whole tenure, it's difficult to think because of all the big game moments, if you will. Yeah. Because now we're going to the goal by Antoine Griezmann, I think it was, against Real Sociedad last year, where right. it felt like a must-win game in December, and they wind up getting mm-hmm. getting the result because of Antoine Griezmann. And and like that's yeah. like one of the last ones I could think of. Yeah. And and I think what kind of compounds it a little bit too is you know I mean there have been times where excellent to great Barca teams of the past have had matches or stretches of even, you know, maybe two, three, four matches where they're constantly attacking. They're constantly just kind of pelting the goal, the goalkeeper and, you know, kind of just putting shots in, putting shots. And, you know, sometimes it just feels like the, the goal is latched shut, but you at least have this sense that there's wave after wave of attack coming and we're, you know, we're pounding on the door. Like that's not happening in these games either. And so I think that's kind of the problem is these kinds of absolutely golden opportunities aren't as plentiful as, as we, we want them to be, as they've often been in the past. So I do think when you get one that is just so perfect and, and it misses, like that one, in addition to kind of just the, the natural fr- frustration that comes with missing that shot, there's, I feel like there's almost a compounding effect of God, when are we when are we going to get another opportunity this spectacularly great again? Yeah. Well, yeah, and it goes back to the disorganized and the disjointed that mm-hmm. while the attack for Barca was better, they just again were doing they didn't even have much more possession in the game, but yet they were doing more with their possession until the counterattack mm-hmm. goal and then the second counterattack goal as well. And it, it was, you know, I, I got the sense that yeah, I got the sense that when you watch a team like that, it just it feels like something is funky. It feels like something is off. And it reminds me of the Rykard team from like 2006, mm. like right before or right before like the turnover, right? And right before everything yeah. kind of changed. And it felt like not that the veterans, unlike then when like Ronaldinho and Deco just seem like they're going through the motions. It doesn't yeah. feel like Busquets and PK and Alba are going through the motions. Certainly not. I mean, again, they were the Mm-mm. PK and Alba were great against Dinamo Kiev. And PK, even in this game was good. I mean, he wasn't, terrible i mean they kept benzema in check yeah. largely he was working with eric garcia a very young defender and they were kind of figuring out problem solving and all yeah. the same way was kind of problem solving but there definitely just feels like the difference between then and now 
is that that team felt funky, right? You're like, you're looking around, yeah. you, you say the names out loud and you look at the squad and you go, okay, I mean, how is this squad not getting results? And then with this team, yeah. I understand they're in transition. The big difference is though, that team had vets to be pushed out or, or you know, or players to be transferred mm. out. And the next generation was already ready. Like they were already being christened. Uh, I well, mean, that was the was, thing. And like, they were right. so ready. Right. And Messi was on the young ground, but he was also the best 19 year old we've ever seen at that point. Yeah. The we've ever yeah. Seen. yeah. It was like the, yeah, it was the greatest 19 year old that's yeah, probably he won the ever Ballon been. The next year. Yeah. So it's not like, it's not like he wasn't ready yeah. at that moment, but for this unit with Barca, it feels like those veterans are funky. They're in the same spot, but they're no, these veterans are not as apoplectic as those were, but these youngsters are not as ready for that challenge as these are, because these youngsters yeah. are four or five. I'm not kidding. Four or five years younger than that generation was ready to go. And even yeah. that generation, remember that Danny Alves wasn't even a part of that yet. We remember him as like part of that mythos, but no, Danny Alves showed up from Sevilla with a team like, like, like yeah, ready it was like to go. 809. Yeah. Right. And, exactly. So Danny, I mean, if there's Danny Alves, not actual Danny Alves, who's trying to get back into Barca apparently, but if there is yeah. the, the version of Danny Alves that can be found at somewhere in around the Liga for 15 million euros, and that's where Barcelona right. needs money instead of Danny Almo, then I would love to see a Danny, like a Danny Alves, right? Like the, the final like redux. Piece, yeah, exactly. Right, the final piece of the puzzle. <laughs> that would be great. Um, but I don't know if yeah. that's going to come because I don't think that younger generation is just yet ready but that the veteran group is already a, a negative one years to being apoplectic enough to be forced yeah. to curb. And so it's, it, it's, this again is another reminder that this squad is not ready for this moment and we're expecting them right. to be in this moment and win in this game, even though they deserve to, it's still, yeah, it, it's, it's still a little naive from, from us, from how I feel. Oh, I think so too. I mean, and what's frustrating about it is like you're saying in, in many ways, they, the, the showing that they, put forth would have won other games against yeah. this same Real Madrid team. Like if you play this game 10 times, 20 times, a hundred times, like it's not one of those situations where you're like, Oh my God, Madrid win 95 or a hundred of those games. Like, absolutely not. Like this, this performance is good enough to win on another day. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's, what's a little bit frustrating around, but, but what you're saying is exactly right. And going back to the veterans, I think, yeah, I think while there are young talents who are on the come and they are admittedly very young, there's the mid the midfield looks fortunately kind of rich for the time going forward. You know, between between Gabi and uh, Pedri and De Young and you know, like so there's a, there is kind of a wealth of assets in in the midfield, and obviously there's Ansu Fati in attack who's spectacular, but in defense where we have two of the kind of the aging old guard in, in Pique and Alba. There are a lot of young defenders being, I guess, kind of blended in or sort of trialed and sort of we're trying to figure out where they are. No one has definitively established himself to almost push out the old guard to be like, no, I'm, I might be young, but I'm too good to I keep think out. I think Araujo he's, he's is the he's, exception. Yeah. And then I think Pedri... I mean, Gabi, you can still debate that, but then the midfield, Pedri is the one to... to well, I think like Pedri up. and Gabi have kind of done it. That's what I mean. And yeah. as far as the midfield, I'm, I am I don't harbor a lot of concern about the, the midfield, strangely, you know, but, but I think in defense... But Busquets also played defense, 90 minutes, three games in a row. So my concern yeah. is not from our perspective, if we were making decisions, but from yeah. where the team currently is, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, in, in that sense, yeah, I agree. <laughs> 
Okay, so yeah, I mean, we, I, you, you know, you knew you were going to hear from Frances Tomas. Uh, I think everyone knows that read the show notes or whatever. But Emil, before we go, uh, at least you and I go, I just want to give you the last word on 2-1, putting another El Clasico in the books, number 256. We weren't alive yeah. for all of them, but thankfully there will be more of them, including one in the spring. So if Barca, you know, are a different team then and take three points at the Santiago Bernabeu, uh, this one will be largely forgotten. Let's put it that way. Yep. So I'll give you the last word on this. Yeah, I mean, I think it was... I going into the game, I, I I didn't know what I was exactly going to expect. I mean, I was I was really hoping that we didn't get one of these disastrous kind of a la Champions League against Bayern and Benfica type showings where it kind of got out of hand and it never felt like there was a chance. So in a lot of those ways, it was very encouraging. I mean, Barca went toe to toe with a good team when, you know, one of the what two, three best teams in La Liga and they, they battled, they went toe to toe and they weren't overwhelmed. I didn't feel like there was any point where they were kind of helpless or flailing or anything like that. It, it came down to the fine margins. It was one, one team took a couple of chances. Uh, one team made a couple of mistakes and the other one took advantage of those. And that's what, uh, that's what these games are supposed to be. Like that's it. Yeah. No, it, yeah. It's going to be close. It's going to be the margins. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. It stinks to lose it, but it was, I mean, it wasn't the most kind of uh eye-popping or kind of uh it wasn't necessarily the most mesmerizing classical i've ever seen but it was it was a good game both teams played reasonably well or kind of to each other's level and one made a couple of mistakes and one seized upon those mistakes and their chances and yep. unfortunately it wasn't Barca that did the good stuff there well, yeah and unfortunately it's a team <laughs> called real madrid exactly yeah. they all feel a certain way about well anyway so i know everyone's bummed that everyone's sad we're bummed too but mm-hmm. i'm gonna do the exit the outro right now again mm-hmm. twitter and instagram at the on a pod follow him emil evanesian mm-hmm. he also writes some really good basketball stuff mm-hmm. i always forget to say this but i i'm, oh, I'm trying you. to distract <laughs> people now you have other writings too i always under my people so that's emil and Evian. uh i'm at yeah. 13 on twitter at the on a pod for everything else our close facebook group i know people are disappointed over there give us a few days i think over there until the feelings mm-hmm. get out and then answer those questions and i'll let you into the facebook group the on a pod <laughs> And then Patreon is how we keep making these shows. Thanks so much to everybody over there for a little incentive to support the show as well as that you get these shows without the ads. Uh, And then we are on YouTube. I did my dream teams that I also released here on the podcast feed. So I tried to distract everybody from the malaise that was coming today that I kind of felt like the train was coming to hit us. So I did put that up and that's all about the future and all about the story of how each individual player got to the Academy. So if you haven't heard on the feed or you haven't, if you haven't watched it on YouTube, you can check it out at the Barcelona podcast. But I would say most importantly, thanks so much for listening to the show, but we're not done yet. I'm actually going to let your old friend and mine, Frances Tomas, hear us out. So, Frances, go ahead. Hola, culés. Buenas noches. Buenos días. Buenas tardes. Uh, hello, good morning, and all that, wherever you are in the world. Long time no see, even though clearly you cannot see me. But now nah, I'm really, really pleased to be back in the podcast. Um, I'm doing well. And I'm very happy that Dan and all the different guests continue to to take the podcast forward. And uh, thank you to everyone who's still listening to the podcast. And uh, if you've never heard me before, that means you're new. Uh, welcome to the podcast. It's Frances here. Um, just to say that um, I've watched the Classical. Dan asked me to send a, a little voice note about it. Um, basically, it's not it's not great. You know, the season is not fantastic by any way, shape, or form. Uh, in fact, Barca have been quite poor throughout. The departure of Messi clearly was always going to leave a void and we knew it was going to be difficult. We knew it was going to be tricky. And to be honest, the fact that we've got Pedri, even though that he's injured now, and Gavi 
and Ansu and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. All the youngsters, Nico, Eddie Garcia coming through and establishing themselves, Serginho Dest, it's, it's a positive and we just have to take it for what it is. Um, the Classic, obviously, we lost. Um, losing a Classic hurts. It's, I'm, over, I'm nearly 40 years old now and, um, you know, it's always hurt from the very first day that I watched Barca. Um, and it still hurts today to lose a Clásico. Uh, but having said that, in the context of the season, I think it is quite clear that um, Barca are not at the level that we need to be at to compete in, um, in Europe. Um, there are major teams around the continent that are better than us right now, let's, let's face it. Uh, Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid right now, I think, are also better than us in terms of um, they've got more oficio, which is they call more know-how. They are able to dominate the areas. Um, in El Clásico, you, you could clearly see that Madrid put away the chances they had and Barca did not. And ultimately, that, that made all the difference. Um, I think that there is far too much inexperience in the Barca team to be able to win these sort of games, to be honest. Um, we can't complain about the referee until the, the clouds come down. You know, we could be doing that for the next 27 hours. But ultimately, it is what it is. Um, if Barca need to rely on a referee uh, signaling a penalty or, you know, giving something our way, then it's a sign that Barca is not working well. He's not going the right way. Um, obviously, if Serginho Des puts his chance away, then it would have been a different game. If the referee gives the, for me, quite clear penalty on Piqué at the end, it's a different game. But ultimately, it doesn't matter. Um, it's not the end of the world. Um, it is in the context of the season. It is a league game that we could have lost um, and we did. Um, I think that there are several players in the Barca team that need to step up. Uh, I think one of the clearer ones for me, uh, Memphis Depay and also Frankie de Jong, um, I think that they are below standard at the moment. Um, I think that Piqué, Busquets and Alba are actually performing fairly well this season. And in a classical, they were, they were decent. Um, Serginho Dest obviously didn't put the chance away, but I think the rest of the game, he was all right. And uh, then, you know, Ansu Fati trying to make a difference, but obviously he's far from... From his ideal form, he's still injured. Uh, not not injured, but you know, recovering from injury. I think El Kun Aguero can help us, but again, he's not there just yet in terms of optical form. I think that Luke the Young should never really um, have come to Barca. To be honest, he's not a, a striker that imposes any sort of respect by any rival defenses. Um, I think that it was obviously. Uh, it's quite clear he doesn't have the level to, to play at Barca. I think when Dembélé comes back, in terms of um, being able to be more poignant and being able to be running at defenders, being able to create something different, I think Dembélé is needed. Um, Pedri not playing. I think that, um, you know, playing every single game for Spain this summer um, obviously didn't, didn't help his health moving forward. I think he played over 72, 73 games last year, which is absurd. And even though that he's very young, that was always going to be a factor. Um, you can only see what's happening to Danny Olmo, who's also missing a lot of um, games through injury. And they play the same amount of games, roughly. So, yeah, I mean, El Clásico, it is annoying that we lost. It is disheartening that Barca are not able to compete at the highest level anymore. 
But at the same time, as I said at the beginning, I think there are a lot of things that Kuman are putting in place, uh, not necessarily because of his tactics, not necessarily because of being inventious, but I think that his biggest legacy once he leaves is that he would have given so many youngsters the chance to, to step up and hopefully prove the worth. I've got high hopes for Nico. I've got high hopes for Alejandro Valde as well. I hope that they both um, you know, get more minutes and start coming into the rotation. Um, I'm not even going to mention Ricky Puch. He's clearly not in the picture at all. And there must be a reason for it. Um, not just Kuman doesn't like me, but there's got to be something else because otherwise it's quite strange. But um, yeah, I think I'm going to, I'm going to leave it there. Um, lots of positives for, for the, from the youngsters, but ultimately Barca are not at the level and the gap that Messi left, it's, it's irreplaceable. But the thing is, you know, it would be great if the collective of players that have been left behind actually stepped up to fill Messi's void. And at, as things stand today, as things stand today, I just don't think that that's happening as well as it should. All right. It was going to be a two minute message. I don't know how long this is. Well, six minutes. All right. I'm going to stop talking. Forza Barca. Have a great season. Thank you, Dan, and all the different guests that are coming to the podcast. Have a great, great day. Forza.